Hi, this is Mark Helm, the author of Creating Wealth Through Self-Storage and the creator of the Quick Start Self-Storage Virtual Boot Camp. We have one coming up November 11th and 12th, 2022. And you can find more information about it at the link below. But today what I'd like to do is have an interview with someone who I actually met in the boot camp, the uh, first quarter boot camp in 2021. His name's Terry Morrison. And I'd like for you guys to meet him and see what he's done in the self-storage business. So without further ado, let's have a conversation with Terry. Terry, thank you very much for being willing to do this interview and uh, share your experience in uh, the self-storage business. And I'm, I'm real appreciative of your time. And before we kind of get going in the whole world of self-storage, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and why self-storage? Sure. Yeah. Well, Mark, um, likewise, thank you for having me you know, on and give me an opportunity to chat with you. I really appreciate that as well. Um, going to my background, uh, you know, I'm based out of Salt Lake City, Utah. So location-wise, that's where I'm, I'm at. I've lived here most of my life. I lived out in the California region for about 12, 13 years, but primarily spent most of my life in the Salt Lake City area. My background uh, from a career standpoint was in enterprise software. So I worked at, at large enterprise software companies like Autodesk, Salesforce.com, Cadence Design Systems. And then starting at about 2012, that was about 11 years ago, I you know, started real, investing in real estate. And then I spent the last two and a half years focused on self-storage investing. So that's, that's my background. Good, good. Why self-storage? What had you, what were you in before and what had you gravitate to self-storage? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, how, how I got started in real estate and self-storage, it was really, um, you know, kind of a diversification strategy away from having all of my assets and 100% mutual funds and the stock market, you know, um, when you work for big companies, you have your 401k and your ESTPs and all your money seems to be tied up in, in, in primarily in those areas. And so I was just looking for a way to diverse, diversify, you know, my funds. And so that's why I, you know, started looking at real estate. I started with single family homes back in 2012, just after the, the market kind of thawed out from that 2008, 9, 10 crash. And I, uh, went on to purchase about 15 single family homes. I, I sold about five of those. So I currently have 10. And then I decided to diversify again. You know, I thought, you know, I, I want to get into uh, the, the commercial commercial self-storage asset class. And that's really what drove me again, kind of a second diversification into self-storage. And I, and I, I really liked self-storage. I thought it was an incredibly solid asset class in up and down markets. I liked the business model. And so that's what attracted me, I think, to self-storage. I did a lot of self-education you know, education and read books and, and did as much as that as I could to try to you know, educate myself. And in that process, Mark, I read your book uh, called Creating Wealth Through Self-Storage. And then I found you on, uh, on the web with a class that you were offering called the Quick Start what was it called? Quick Start Academy for Self-Storage Bootcamp, I believe. And I thought, wow, this looks exactly like the kind of stuff I want to 
learn more about because I'd been reading a lot about it. And so I signed up for your class. I think that was January 2021. And uh, then I became a student uh, in your class and your class was fantastic. And, you know, for those out there that uh, don't know, I mean, Mark's class pretty much kind of takes you from A to Z, everything you need to know about getting into the self-storage business, how to purchase properties, invest in properties, operate properties. So it was a very comprehensive class. And that really kind of pushed me over the edge and, and got me, you know, into self-storage. Tell us a little bit about the first self-storage deal you did, Derek, and how many have you done since then? Or how many are you in? Yeah, um, I would say the first deal we did was back in like March 2021. So it was shortly after we uh, finished your, you know, your boot camp class. And I, I guess I would back up a little bit from that and say that, you know, the, the, the first thing I did when I, when I embarked upon this mark was, it was kind of a mentality, kind of like I was in these single family home market, I was a lone ranger by myself doing my thing. And I had that similar mentality when I was looking at the storage space. And um, what I realized very quickly was that it was harder to go it alone in self-storage because the assets are bigger. It, there's, there's a little bit more complexity to it. And it's harder to scale if you're just a, you know, a single person. So I quickly pivoted away from that. I'm going to do it alone strategy and model to working with others, other investors, other people that had done it and were, were smarter than me that could help mentor me in, in the space. And so I, I kind of went that path. And that's when I partnered up with a guy by the name of Chris Cashman and Ed Babenko. Uh, they had a little more real estate experience than me uh, in the commercial side. You know, just, just it was a good partnership getting hooked up with them. So that was kind of the first thing that I did. And then the first deal that that I embarked upon back in March, 2021 was, you know, I found it, it was, it was in, in the, in the state of Georgia. So I'm, I'm located in, in, in the Salt Lake City market. My partner's right on the East coast. So that's primarily why we focus on the East coast because that's where they're located. Right. But the first deal we did was, um, you know, it was a smaller deal and I brought, brought it to the table to, to Ed and Chris and we talked about it and it met a lot of criteria that we were looking for. So, you know, I jumped in, pulled the trigger on it. Uh, made an offer, started working with a broker, uh, got it under contract. Um, you know, it was a deal that was about about a million dollars in size. And I want to say that it had about 17,000 square feet of rentable storage on it when we bought it. The thing that interested me about the property was that expansion capability on some additional land. And so what we did was, uh, you know, put a plan in place and what that would look like if we expanded it. And there was, you know, a lot of very attractive numbers there uh, when we did that. But we are in the process right now of expanding that facility, Mark. And when we get done, we're probably about two thirds of the way done. We're on phase two of our expansion right now. But when we get done, that, that property will have about 42,000 rentable square feet. So we took from 17,000 to 42,000. And we're, you know, in the process of doing that now. It's been a great property. So that was the first one that we did. And it worked out uh, worked out really well. Since then, uh, we went on to buy nine additional properties, so we bought ten total. We have sold one. We sold one several months back, so we have nine that we own and operate today. And we have four additional properties under contract, with a couple of them about ready to close uh, very soon. So you bought your first one in March of 2021, and this is being recorded in early October 2022. So in a year and whatever, six months, you've done 
10 deals? Yeah, we did. We, we have 10 that we've completed the transaction on. We've got four under, yeah, under contract right now that are very close to closing. So, yeah. That's that's pretty incredible. That's a good good track record. On this first deal, you bought uh, you don't have to know the, give the exact numbers, but you bought seventeen thousand square feet. You said it was in the million dollar range. Is that yeah? Right? That, that initial initial purchase is about a million dollars. Yeah. And then what 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 did you put in it to bring it to forty something thousands? What do you have about two point five in it? Two point two in it? Yeah, I. I I want to say, you know, about a million, three million, four on our expansion. Okay. Fund. So yeah. let's say you're at 2.4. And so uh, your the other deals that you've gotten involved in, are they somewhat similar to the first one you did, like expansions and convert? Have you done conversions? Yeah, uh, yeah we have actually. Um, you know, the, the strategy that we kind of settled on, and you know, this is what I say to people out there that are looking to get into space, you know, when you're out there looking for properties, trying to figure out what to do, what I found, you know, is that you have to, you have to know what you want, what you're looking for, what you're not looking for. And you kind of, you know, you refine that process as you look at deals, as you talk to brokers and you, you kind of, you know, go through the iterations and, and maturation in that way. So, you know, we, we, we settled on the strategy. We were looking for expansions and conversions. Initially, we were a little bit more heavy, heavily focused on, on the expansion, having additional land that we could build more, more storage on. Uh, we've since um, also done some conversions as well. So that's kind of how we went about it. And, and those additional nine that we bought, Mark, every single one of them, without exception, is an expansion or conversion opportunity. We, we really haven't purchased any that, that don't fit that criteria. Okay. And, and you all use third-party management correct on your storage projects yeah 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 and that kind of gets back to the scale factor too you know it's if you're going to own and operate and run these facilities and it takes a lot of work it's not it's not 100 percent passive by any stretch and so as you well know and um we just didn't feel that was our wheelhouse and our area of expertise we felt we'd be much better served if we did have a, a professional property manager to run that part of the operation for so we we partnered up with a company called Copper Storage Management. They do all of that work for us. They do a fantastic job. We couldn't be happier with them. And they, 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 we, we talk to them on a weekly basis, and they run all that for us, right? So it's, it's great. And that includes the online marketing piece of, uh, yeah. of getting your customers, so they handle that for you? Yeah, the way it works, Mark, we take over a property. Let's say a closing day. We take over a property. Copper shows up on site. They fly one or two people into the location, right? And they they go to the site. They meet with the sellers, and you know they have the, the, the transition of data, the key handover, so to speak, and and kind of take over the property. And so at that point, they start operating and managing the property on our behalf. They get all the data into the computer system. Uh, we run a property management software called StoreEdge, and we use Go Local for our online marketing and our website platform, you know, through Copper. And so they get all that up and running and set up and, and, and start marketing and running the website and, and um, uh, you know, managing the facility, the gate codes and, and, and the units. And, and, you know, they're off and running and they run our promotions for us and, and just handle that entire property management piece. Good. So the how you've grown, it's, it sounds like you guys are syndicating using investor money as well as your own in these deals. 
Can you say a little bit about that? I get a lot of questions on, well, what do you offer investors? Without getting too much in the weeds, can you tell us a little bit about how you syndicate your deals and what's involved there and who who kind of manages it? Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and um, you're absolutely right. Again, it's back to that scale factor and kind of how do we grow and and do all that. And if you're trying to do everything yourself, you know, sometimes you're going to be limited in funds and that's where the investors come in. They help us scale that. So yes, we do syndications. Um, our syndications are, you know, fully, they're SEC, Reg D compliant. Uh, we use syndication attorneys to help us with all that part of it. And we do raise funds. You know, typically our structure is, uh, you know, we, we have uh, like a 50-50 equity split with our, with our investors and we pay them a, a preferred return on that on that investment we um we typically you know shoot for a certain investor return that we that we you know tell them we'll we'll do and you know our goal is to try to exceed that if we can but you know we try to hit some minimums uh with with them but um you know that's that's how we went about structuring our deals internally you know we we all uh you know pitch in where we can we on our team we all try to kind of specialize in areas that we you know, we're good at. Um, we have uh, one guy on our team that kind of handles a lot of that syndication work. That's Ed. And then, you know, Ed and Chris spend a lot of time uh, on fundraising. Uh, I do a little bit of that. That's not as, as much in my wheelhouse as it is in theirs. Uh, so we kind of split up the duties and, and go about it that way. And then, you know, put we put a, a portfolio of, uh, I'm sorry, a, an investment deck out to our investors for review and we're off and running. So what is your primary, if you if you had, to, and I know you probably do everything all the way down to janitorial work at times, but if you had to put like what your accountability is in the partnership, how would you define it? Yeah, you know, kind of kind of the lane that I try to stay in, you know, the old stay in your lane slogan, the lane that I try to stay in, Mark, is, and, and I think the value that I brought to the partnership when I started working with that and Chris is, you know, I, I work on kind of the acquisition, finding deals, uh, working with brokers, um, you know, kind of grinding through, you, you know, as you know, to take one deal down, you have to look at a lot of them, right? And so I kind of go through that process, kind of weed it down. Then when I get it down to a short list, you know, I talk to Ed and Chris more about it, say, hey, guys, what do you think about this? So I'm more on the acquisition side, brokers. You know, I work with the, the, the attorneys to get the, the contracts in place and try to get the deal across the finish line. And then a little bit on the banking and, and loan side, as well as the investor side. So then that kind of bleeds over uh, into um, my other partners. And then they, we all kind of come together once we got a deal on the table. And, and it's a joint decision amongst all of us. I don't, I don't you know, do all that on my own. But I do a lot of that front end work and then work with, with Ed and Chris to uh, find lines of meeting. That's awesome. Where where would you where do you see you or your team in let's say the next three years? I know that's kind of hard to say, but what's your goal? What are, where are you all going for? Well, you know we're we're still in a um, you know a lot of people you know it depends on I guess you know, how much news you're watching and how negative you want to be about it, but. Um, uh, we like this asset class, and historically, this asset class has, has done, as you know very well, has done fantastic in up markets, down markets. So we're continuing to look for deals and expand our portfolio if we find deals that fit our criteria. If they're good. Now, 
you know, we do look at a lot of deals and there's a lot of deals out there that we run from. It's like, no way, I am not touching that deal. But, you know, if you look long enough and hard enough and you are working with the right people and you have good relationships out there, you, you know, deals that come across your desk that are, that are very attractive that you'll pursue. And that's kind of the, the approach we've taken. So we've gotten to the point in our portfolio where we can be a little bit picky. We don't have to take every deal that comes across our desk. And um, we are still expanding and looking for opportunity even in, in the market of rising interest rates and so forth. So, you know, as, as Chris likes to say, my partner, you know, we are buyers and sellers in this market. So, you know, we have a couple of properties in our portfolio that we will consider selling. So uh, we're acquiring and buying, and we're, we're going to continue to do that, Mark. So I say over the next two to three years, I don't have an exact number, but I would not be surprised if we didn't acquire another five to 10 plus uh, properties over the next three years. So if you were, if somebody is just getting going or thinking about getting in the storage business or thinking about doing a boot camp or whatever, what would you, what would be your advice to someone who was where you were, let's say at the end of 2020? Yeah. You know, kind of just speaking from personal experience in my path, um, you know, again, I kind of touched on this before, but but I would advise people that you don't have to go it alone. I, I, I think that's a more difficult route. It doesn't mean you can't, right? You might want to go out and buy a unit, self-storage property, own it and operate it yourself, and that, that would be fine, right? I mean, that, there's nothing wrong with that model. But, um, you know, if you want to go beyond that, you want to scale, it, it's harder to do that on your own. So the first thing I would say is consider you know, what you want to do, kind of what your criteria, what your goals are, and, and if that is, is the way you want to do it. The, the second thing I would do is, you know, there's a lot to know in this business, even, even though, you know, uh, Chris and Ed and I had been in the, in the real estate market for a while, there's still a lot to be learned. And so my advice would be try to learn as much as you can, educate yourself. And Mark, that's where you came in with the education that you provide people in the space is just awesome. And, you know, thank you for doing that because, you know, not everybody out there is, is as willing to share their knowledge and be as charitable as you are. So hats off to you for doing that. But I would, you know, engage with that kind of level of detail with courses like you offer to educate yourself. So that would be another thing that I would do. I, I think you have to, you have to build relationships with not only investors, but you are, you have to build a team, right? You have to have lawyers that you work with, and investors, and bankers, and and uh, real estate brokers, right? Um, so you, you've got you've got to do that, and that takes time. And I think, you know, when you say to yourself, "Okay, I want to jump into the self storage business, and I want to go start uh, doing this," um, it may not happen in the first two or three months. I mean, you may have to be on the phone, talking to people, doing your emails, doing whatever you do, interacting, and having that that collaboration with people for three, four, five months before things really start to fall out the other end. So I would say be patient and be willing to do that. It, 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 you know, it doesn't just you know, happen uh, organically. You have, to, you, know, you have to be aggressive and go out there and kind of push that and, and make sure that you are advancing you know, that kind of discussion with people. So I think that's another thing. And then you know, I think you have to Decide on the criteria that you are looking for in, in your investment. What is that going to be? You know, the, the size of the asset, the type of storage, the location, the age, expansion, conversion. You know, know what you're looking for. Know what you're not looking for. 
so that then when you find it, you can act on it. And you have to be diligent. You know, you have to be doing this, looking at deals on a daily basis. I mean, I, I have a bunch of alerts on Crexy, right? Uh, the uh, service out there. And I'm looking at those every day in my email, literally every single day. I look at those um, some days more than others, but you know, that's how you find things that are attractive to you. Talking to brokers, they bring you deals. So there's a multiple, uh, there are multiple ways of getting those deal flows to come to your, to your desk. And you just have to do that. You can't like, Oh, I'm going to work on this over the weekend and then, you know, put it on the table for a month. Okay, okay, I'm not busy this weekend. I'll I'll look at storage again. It's a little bit more work than that. So I would advise people that you, you know you have to pay attention and, and be a little bit more focused. Uh, it's not super passive if you if you really want to get into it. The other thing I would say, Mark, is you know you have to take action on the clients, right? If you if you do find something, you cannot be afraid to act. You have to do something. You can't just be in a you know theoretical academic world. You have to then take action and start, you know, putting, executing on the things that you know and the things you've learned. And one of the big things that I, I think made us successful, honestly, is that uh, I call it the analysis paralysis situation. You know, you're looking at, you got all your check boxes and your spreadsheets and your numbers. And, you know, you, 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 can't, you can't check 20 out of 20 boxes on every deal. And some people think, oh, if I can't get a great deal, or if I can't check every one of these boxes and just everything is in my favor, then I'm not going to do it, right? If you have that mentality, you will probably never do a deal. And so my advice would be be diligent, you know, be smart, but don't be in a position where you have to check every single box to make a deal happen because that probably won't happen. So that was, I don't know, sorry for rambling a little bit long there, but in a nutshell, those are those are some of the things that I would advise people on if they were looking to jump into this space. So that's real. That is really good advice. There is no perfect deal out there. There yeah. really yeah. is. Well, you know what, Mark? I got to tell you, this the deals we look at. I mean, the old the old adage or phrase, you know, it's got to have a little hair. It's got to be a little ugly. I mean, that's really what we look for. I mean, when when we look for deals, we look for deals that have value add. We're not necessarily looking to buy. 100% occupied storage facility to just buy the cash flow, right? That's not what we're looking for. We're looking for deals that are beat up, that have upside potential, value-add opportunity, and those are the ones we go after. And, and you know, sometimes those, those boxes don't get checked very well at all because there's a lot of ugliness sometimes around deals when they're in that category. Yeah, I was working with a guy at one time in my career, and he just said, I love ugly. Oh, well, you've been real generous with your time, Terry. I appreciate your willingness to, to help, to share your experience and help other people who are kind of coming behind you because yeah. it really is a good asset class. I think, you know, and I could be wrong, but I think the next 10 years are a real opportunity for us because there really is a lot of consolidation going on in this industry. And it's still... It's not in its infancy, but it's 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 not a very mature industry at this point. And the consolidation is the fact that so many of these mom and pops out there, and it sounds like that's what you guys deal with for the most part, or you know, people who own one or two facilities and that's it. So they'll though there's a the majority of storage out there in the US today is still that brand of storage. 
and where guys like us can come in and get these things and turn them around and then have an asset that somebody who's willing to pay top dollar and just buy the cash flow will look at. For, for me, that's where I see the opportunity in the next decade. Yeah. Would you agree yeah, or do you, or you have a different model on it? No, not at all. I mean, I, I don't even, I can't remember the stat, but it's, it's like 33, 66, like a two thirds, one third in, in terms of the, you know, the big investors versus mom and pop. So it's a very fractured market, right? The, the majority of the self-storage market is still owned by very small operators out there. So, you know, there's, there is a lot of opportunity. There's no question. Um, no, I, I don't see it, it, it different at all. I mean, as a matter of fact, you know, when I, when you look at the, the, you know, the storage market, it, it's, uh, I, I think you mentioned this to me a while ago where we used to rely on certain statistics of, you know, um, um, the saturation of the number of storage units in a given population. Right. And, and that has possibly changed a little bit because, there's more demand for storage, I think, today and going in, into the future than there used to be. There's a lot of renders out there. People are cramped in their spaces. A lot of this COVID work from home mentality created people working out of their offices and, and not having enough space in their house. And whenever you have space issues, you have to have a place to put things. And that, that's where the storage you know, facilities come in into play. I always kind of look at like uh, people and things in motion is another kind of thing that I look at. And, and whenever you have that, whether you're in an upmarket or downmarket, people are moving out of houses. They're moving from one state to the next. They're moving their job. That You know, whatever those reasons are, um, that creates the opportunity for and the need for storage. And so, you know, uh, we, we have a lot of growth and a great economy in this com- country. And so as that continues to, to, to work, uh, I think the need for storage goes up. So I, you know, I, I see it as a, is a great market and also you know it's kind of like your bigger markets are denser with storage and you know we're nibbling around out here on the edges of the market it's kind of like the walmart strategy right we're coming in from the outside in and uh, you know there's a lot of opportunity in the smaller markets you know you don't you don't necessarily have to go in to a big metro area like atlanta or dallas you know to to play in the storage space you can be in a smaller market people in those markets need storage as well so and then there are different markets, there are different types of storage, right? There's there's climate, non-climate. Non-climate's a lot of times underserved, so that's an, an issue you can see. Uh, there's a, I think there's a demand within the, in the RV and parking space today that maybe isn't as, as uh, fulfilled as it could be. So, yeah, I, I see, I see the, the, the industry continuing to grow from my perspective. The one other thing I'll say, too, is that you know, when you look at what we did as our team, I mean, again, you know, we, we kind of talked to some high level numbers, but, um, you know, we, we purchased these 10 properties. And I think I think our total asset value on those is around 27 million, somewhere in that range. We have six in Georgia, one in Arkansas, one in South Carolina, one in North Carolina. So we're kind of spread out in that, that eastern, southeastern region there. I think we have roughly about 287,000 square feet of storage of space, you know, in our in our uh, asset asset uh, base, and then I think that equates to about 23 or 2400 storage units. So you know that that's kind of what we've been able to do in that space, uh, doing it the way I described. Now we we were we've been in that one to four million dollar asset uh, value range in our purchasing of, of assets, 
And typically what we're seeing when we come and we buy a property, let's say we buy, buy one for $2 million, we typically put about 75%, maybe a little bit more, into the expansion. So if we buy one for $2 million, we're putting $1.7 million into that thing, $1.5 million into that thing to expand it. So we've, and, you know, just, just through that, we've created a bigger asset right, right out of the gate. What we're looking to do, Mark, is kind of move up that chain a little bit. And again, it, it, we're, not, we're not necessarily wed just to a size. I mean, we look for a good deal, right? So if the numbers work for our investors, that's really what we're interested in. But we are looking to move up the size scale a little bit. So instead of buying one to two to three million dollar properties, you know, we might jump up to that four or five, six million dollar property range. So that's kind of the, that's the, the strategy that we have. So again, we're bullish about the storage market going forward in the future, and we're going to continue to to buy deals if they're good deals. If somebody comes to us with a three cap in a you know tier four market, we're probably going to pass on that. Well, uh, I'd like to acknowledge you because the the num to do ten deals in a year and a half is is an accomplishment. You know, getting going in this business and then organizing yourself in such a way that you can do that many deals that quickly and and be on top of them, which is what I'm hearing in this interview. I, I just really acknowledge you guys for that. And I acknowledge you for being able to figure out what where your niche is in this industry putting your team together, the people to support you that you needed to do, and then going out and doing it. There's a lot of people that I've met that it's it's almost like, you know, you buy the membership to the gym and like that's the action step they take. But no, you actually went to the gym and did the work. So I acknowledge you for well, that. Well, Mark, and I and thank you for that. But again, I want to give credit to you for the education you provide in this industry, because I am 100% positive if it hadn't been for the, the, the material and the coaching and mentorship that you provided, I, I probably wouldn't have done this. I mean, I can absolutely say that. Um, I think the other thing is, you know, my partners, you know, Chris and Anna, I've talked about them a couple of times on the call. You, you, know, you have to partner with people that you enjoy working with that can also supplement and complement your strengths and weaknesses. And we have a great team. And Chris has done a great job of building a team. And then it's beyond us, right? It's building a team of vendors and, and people that you work with, right? So you can't do it all on your own. You have to be willing to quarterback that and do that. And I think our team has done a really good job at fostering those relationships and building those relationships. So um, that's that's why we were successful. It's not, it's not just us, but it's our investors and all the people that we work with uh, all rolled together. That, that's really what made it work. Well. Somebody has to have the vision, and you all did that. Well, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it, and I appreciate your willingness to share with other people. So, oh, you got uh, more. Thank, thank you. That was interesting, wasn't it? One of the things that really separates Terry, here, here's the thing. Terry doesn't know any more than many people about self-storage. One of the things that really separates Terry and has him achieve the success that they've experienced is his willingness to, to just take action.
Much like you saw with the interview with Chris Cashman last week, one of the skill sets these people have, and I think one of the things that really separates them from people who know a lot, learn a lot, but never get in the business, is the fact that they're just willing to take the action, even though, as Terry called it, all the boxes aren't checked. This, now. Did he occur like somebody who was irresponsible or just willing to buy anything? Absolutely not. But their willingness to move forward, even when they don't know necessarily how it's going to turn out, or even when they don't know all the answers. That's one of the key distinctions, I think, that separates the successful from the unsuccessful. Anyway, I've just that's a trend I saw in these two interviews, and I hope you learned a lot. My goal here is not to say that you can do this. My goal here is to inspire you, to show you people who are much like ourselves, small investors trying to figure out how to get in and where our place is in this world of self-storage. And these are some people who have actually figured it out. My intention here was to inspire you, to let you know that it's possible for you too. If Terry can do it, or I can do it, or the other people I work with can do it. You can too. There's nothing special about us. So I hope that's helped you. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. And if you're interested in, in finding out more about the boot camp, see if that could be something that could support you. It's not for everybody, but it could support you and where you're at in your growth and development. Feel free to click the link below and find out more about it. Thanks a lot, and I'll see you next week.